0: What I learned in that is that A, you've got to find ways to prepare yourself. You can't always rely on people just in general in life, not in that situation. Because I think everyone was doing the best they could. We just didn't have what we needed. Um, and But I learned that I need to do my own preparation. I can't rely on people to prepare for me. If there's something I need, I need to find a way to ask for it and explain why this is important beyond just saying well what do you mean you don't have this stuff like this is something of course i thought everyone would know like no you need to advocate for yourself a little bit and if you don't feel comfortable in a situation tell somebody
1: All right. Welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Path Distilled.
1: And we're so excited to have Amy Wells. She's the broadcasting manager for the Tennessee Titans and the co-host of Titans All Access. Welcome to the show, Amy.
0: Hey, guys. How are you?
1: Doing well. Thanks so much for joining us. Could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're doing now?
0: Oh, yeah. Um Well, I am, as you said, the broadcast manager for the Tennessee Titans, which is a fancy way of saying that I'm just kind of always around. Um, I host a variety of shows for the Tennessee Titans um, digital team. I do their TV show, as you said, Titans All Access um, podcast, the OTP, the official Titans podcast. Um, variety of radio shows and then digital content throughout the week, and I'm also their uh, sideline reporter on Sundays for Titans Radio. So we're uh, always busy. There's never a dull moment, wow. but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a great time.
1: So when are you going to start making something of your life? <laughs> I know.
0: Uh, hopefully, a- the next ten to fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah,
1: now you're obviously your plate is full. How did you uh, first get involved in? what you do. Take us back to the beginning.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, so I got my degree at the University of Missouri um, in communications. And right after school, I ended up kind of lucking my way into getting an internship with the Baltimore Ravens um, doing public relations. So that uh, is where I spent the 2011 season. And in 2012, the internship there ended. Got another internship in Indianapolis with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, spent a season there; it was awesome. And then 2013, I kind of was tricked into getting this job with the Titans. But um, I interviewed thinking that it was a public relations job, and that's why I've been doing the last two years. And they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, um, it's a it's a PR job, but we'd like to have someone with some on camera experience." Um, who can relieve our radio host when he does different shows and things. And sometimes he has too many appearances. And if there's someone who could help him out, we'd appreciate that. Well, I had worked for a TV station when I was in college. And so I had like a very sketchy reel of some sort, like it wasn't anything professional or impressive. And I hope whatever I gave to them has been destroyed. Um, But they looked at it and called me in for an interview and, ended up hiring me and on my first day I came in and I'm like ready to write press releases and you know manage all of these different interactions with players and coaches and the media and I'm really I feel like I know what I'm doing they're like well if you're going to be one of the faces of this franchise we should probably make you like a Twitter handle in this social media presence and I was like I'm sorry a what you want me to be what for this team okay uh, Sure. So we just kind of went forward and there was a huge learning curve. And I've just been trying to tread water ever since. And I've been very lucky. There are a lot of people that have been very patient with me and have taken the time to really critique me and teach me along the way. And so here we are. This is my eighth season with the Titans. Wow. And um, it's been great. I wouldn't change it for anything.
1: So- Take us back to that uh, initial interest you had in becoming a journalist or podcaster. Mm-hmm. How did that first get started?
0: Well, you know, so when I started college, I was in um, political science. That was my degree. And so I'm taking all of these political science classes. And I think this is great. I'm going to be a political campaign manager. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. And it's going to be, spectacular. But I start like looking around in all of my classes and everyone's got their little laptops and they're on like the New York Times and this crazy blog and this political insider magazine. And I'm on like ESPN adjusting my (laughs) fantasy football lineup. And I was like, hmm, it seems like we don't all have the same interests outside of these classes. Interesting. So one Friday night, I was sitting at home all in my dorm at the time, and I had like ordered a pizza and the NFL Scouting Combine is on. I don't know if you've ever seen the NFL Scouting Combine. It's basically C SPAN for sports. Like, there's not a whole lot of sex appeal to the NFL Scouting Combine unless you're like really into it. And I am. So my dad calls me on a Friday night and he's like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? I was like, I got a pizza coming the combines on I'm taking notes and he was like have you ever thought that maybe you could go into sports (laughs) like that might be a better option for you and it just never had occurred to me that working in sports in any capacity was even uh, like an option you were a player or you were a coach and everything else just kind of I guess happened I assumed so I wasn't even familiar with what that could look like, but I knew sports reporters and sports journalists. So I ended up switching my major to journalism and started working at the local TV station, um, which was a part of Mizzou's kind of program. But I got in and started working on um, football programming. So high school football games. We'd go and shoot footage of that and kind of bring it back and edit it all together and put put the highlights together for um, our anchor. And so in doing that, I kind of ended up being a production assistant. So I'd cut up different highlights for different things. And then I was producing a Sunday sports show, um, an hour long show as a sophomore, which isn't really something you did, but I just spent a lot of time there. And at the same time, I got a job with the football team, helping them with recruiting and, oh my gosh, I spent hours and hours logging tape of kids who, bless their hearts, were so excited and wanted to play at the University of Missouri, but were not, that wasn't going to happen. But I would <laughs> cut up the tape and give it to the coaches um, for them to evaluate. And I mean, my whole world suddenly became just football, football, football. So when I graduated from college, I was like, Well, shoot, I, I guess I've got to find a real job. And a friend of a friend of a cousin's mom's boyfriend (laughs) in high school hooked me up with um, one of the guys who is still working PR for the Baltimore Ravens. And we kind of did an informal interview and the rest is kind of history.
1: So what was your role with them?
0: With the Ravens? I was, oh my gosh, I was an intern. I was an intern's intern. (laughs) Like I had no idea what I was doing. I roll up to the Baltimore Ravens facility, which is, but they call it the castle and it is so much more than that. It's like the most beautiful ski lodge in the woods type of facility you've ever seen. And I was like, whoa this is the NFL like this is it I've arrived and I get in there and I don't know how to do anything like I can't write a press release I don't know who's on this team like I was not a fan of the Baltimore Ravens before I got this job I don't know if I'm allowed to say that but I wasn't (laughs) and so they were like hey we had eight pro bowlers last year can you name any of them I was like no they were like well I mean just guess Ravens players and you'll probably hit a couple because it was like Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, Ray Wright, like people that any just casual football fan kind of would have known in 2011. And I was like, I can't name a person on this team. I'm sorry. I, I knew nothing. And so I pretty much was just relegated to sharpening pencils for the offensive linemen So that they had something to write with in their meetings. So for the first probably three months, the majority of my jobs was pencil sharpening and just trying not to get yelled at. Like that was my life. And slowly I started to learn how things worked and I started to pick up on. Okay, this is why it's important to proofread our work. (laughs) And (laughs) these are the ways that you need to interact with people. And these are the types of things we need you to do. And I earned more responsibilities kind of as I went. But the thing you have to remember about that year also is that um, the NFL was in the middle of a lockout. So there were no players, there were no coaches. When I started, they basically said, We don't know if. we're gonna have a role for you or not, but we'd like for you to move to Baltimore just in case. So I did. So I spent kind of six weeks just kind of kicking around Baltimore, waiting for this job to start that I didn't know how to do. And um, it turned out that there was a season and everything was fine, but we, I mean, we're thrown into the fire. So we just had to start doing things. And I think I messed up enough things in those first couple of days that I was given the pencil sharpening job. (laughs) And, um, but I mean, it was a humbling experience. It was great. I learned how to take criticism. (laughs) I learned how important it is to ask questions. I learned so many skills that now that I've been doing this nine years later, it's, it's much easier for me to not only do my job, but be in uncomfortable situations and know that I'm not going to die. (laughs) Because, I mean, that's a legitimate fear sometimes is being in an uncomfortable situation where you're like, oh my gosh, any minute now I'm going to get fired. And you just know, it. you can feel it in your soul. Like I'm not doing well, but there's ways to redeem yourself. And there are characteristics and values that people will see in you, even while you're failing. And so having that experience and learning that it's not the worst thing that can happen to you failing in front of people whose respect you're trying to earn. And, uh, and so it was a good experience anyway, but I aged 30 years and 10 months. Ooh.
1: I have uh, two questions about that. Did you recognize the leap of faith moving at the time without knowing if it would happen? And did anyone take you under the wing and kind of help guide you out of the situation or did you kind of happen upon that yourself
0: well yeah to answer your first question at the time no I didn't realize kind of how crazy what I was doing was I was 21 and got a job like that's all it felt like to me and so there was someone was going to give me money to do something And that felt like a really big deal. So they hired me on a Tuesday, said, we need you to get out here as quick as you can. I moved from Columbia, Missouri to Baltimore, Maryland on Thursday. Like, I just packed up my stuff and left. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I still kind of can't believe my parents let me do that. (laughs) Like, that felt like a pretty huge adjustment for them. And I don't really know how they were okay with that situation. But yeah, I it was just, it just felt like this is what you do. Um, Looking back on it, I kind of can't believe I did it and was so cool about the whole thing. Um, But yeah, I just kind of got out there and figured it out. Um, And then yes, there were tons of people who helped me out along the way. There were a lot of people. My boss was great about pulling me into his office and he would firmly, but nicely, if that makes sense. Like, in a way that still just scared the bejesus out of me, but like you could tell he wanted to be helpful and he would kind of try to direct me and try to guide me. And there were a bunch of coaches on that staff who I still kind of keep in touch with and who were very aware of like realizing that I was so far away from my family for the first time. So like taking me in and inviting me over for holidays and making sure that I was okay and really asking about me and investing in me. And um, so that was a really big deal. And years later, I ended up working with some of those guys again. And so that's really fun because the NFL is just so small. You see the same people over and over again. And so having established some of those relationships where people really like took an interest in me and kind of took care of me and got to know my family and I, that's been a big deal all along the way. But yeah, there were so many people who helped me and kind of made sure that I didn't hurt myself.
1: and so you're sharpening pencils for the offensive linemen for meetings Mm -hmm. and you said your next stop was in Indianapolis
0: yes it was in Indianapolis and um, one of the coaches who had kind of watched over me in Baltimore was Chuck Pagano who ended Mm -hmm. up being the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts the next year so that was, I think he was kind of helpful in getting that job and getting another internship, which gave me another chance to learn and kind of be in a new environment and um, do some different things. But having a clean slate was kind of nice too. So I got to not be the intern who didn't know how to do anything and could only sharpen pencils. I got to be the person who had done it for a year. So I was already a step ahead. And I mean, that was a great experience. It was so good to get to know to see how another NFL team works, because there are so many people who are fortunate enough to get a job in the league, which is so great, but they only see how one team operates. And so you think that this is law. And so being able to see a lot of different teams operate in the way that they move has been a really cool experience. That's a, that's one of the greatest things I think about my journey so far is that I know there's a lot of different ways to do things and that there are a lot of different ways that, teams that are all in the same space operate and I think that's been really valuable
1: you said it was from Indianapolis that you ended up with the Titans
0: it was it was um, I ran into someone at um, a Super Bowl that I had so basically NFL um, for major events like the scouting combine the Super Bowls things like that they used to, I don't know if they still do this now, but they used to take like interns basically as volunteers because they needed so many hands on deck for those major events. And so I volunteered to work a Super Bowl after the 2012 season. And um, so I met a bunch of people and you're just networking your mind off. Like it's crazy. It's like the Hunger Games for NFL interns. Like (laughs) you're just trying to impress somebody and if someone else gets eaten by a bear, that's their problem. Um, And so I had ended up making some connections and someone who was a writer for the Tennessee Titans said, hey, we have this job that's opening up. Um, You may or may not be interested in it, but here's the information. I'm happy to pass your stuff along. And so that kind of got the ball rolling and the rest is history.
2: At that point, you know, I guess throughout these first two internship experiences you had, did you realize at that point that you wanted to go down this career path or is it more like you were just kind of seeing what came up as you went throughout these experiences?
0: I definitely knew that I wanted to stay in the NFL, but also very clearly, I was very aware of the fact that every season could be my last season because all I had seen was how impermanent it was. Like, nobody's promised anything you see it with coaches you see it with players but you also see it with staff like there's a lot of turnover in some of these staffs, especially the lower level positions because it's hard I mean the hours are weird you don't get holidays off you're running doing 30 different things and it's kind of high pressure Um, so a lot of people just get tired because frankly you can get paid sometimes a lot more money to be in a different field. Um, And so I always kind of knew that, yes, the dream is to stay in the NFL. The dream is to be this big PR executive. Like that's that's what I always wanted to do. I never thought about the broadcast part of it. Like even when I started this job, I kind of saw it as a foot in the door to get back to PR at some point. Um, But I've always wanted to be in the NFL. I mean, from the moment that I started doing things at this level, being part of this, I mean, the National Football League is, it's the top when it comes to sports. It's just, you can't get any better than this. And um, so I always wanted to stay in this arena um, and be a part of that. But I mean, I've also just been taking every second that I can get, you know, every experience, every moment the amount of things that I've squirreled away as like mementos of this cool thing that I did just in case it never happens again. Like my parents' basement is full of like papers I've snatched and books that I've stolen and like pictures of things <laughs> that I'm like randomly just squirreling away because I don't ever want to forget these moments that I've been able to have. I mean, it's it, it's an unbelievable experience. So I want to be able to capture all of that and just say yes to as many things as I can um, so that I don't forget what a cool journey I've been on. And if it lasts 10 more years, phenomenal. I'm here for it. But if it doesn't, what great opportunities I've had, you know?
1: Are those, excuse me, are those amazing moments still coming as frequently as they did at the beginning? Cause I can imagine when you first got into the league, almost everything was novel and exciting. And then as time has gone on, it probably takes a little bit more to kind of create that sense of excitement. Um, am I off base? I mean, there? yes
0: and no. Yes and no. Um, there were some things that definitely walking down the hallway and being like, Oh my gosh, that's so-and-so. Like that was a really cool thing, but that still kind of happens sometimes. The Tennessee Titans had Dick LeBeau as their defensive coordinator a couple of years mm. ago and realizing like, Oh my gosh, Dick LeBeau knows my name. Like mm. that was a cool moment on like i mean yes the day-to-day stuff of like going out to practice and it's very easy to kind of get jaded by some of the things that we get to do but i mean the level of excitement is still there on a game day i i I don't know if everybody knows this but i cry during every single national anthem no matter what it's why i wear sunglasses so much honest to god but it's it's a very emotional like oh my gosh, where am I standing right now? And so that stuff is still the same. Game day is still exciting. It's still pretty cool to walk into an NFL training facility every day as your job. Um, Like to walk through those doors, to have the relationships that you have, to stop and realize. And we try to hold each other accountable and make sure that no one gets so jaded that they forget what they're doing. Like forget why you're here forget the amazing opportunities you're having so we try to kind of nudge each other sometimes and say, look where we are like this is pretty great right but I mean it is funny to sometimes be like there's a group of people so I've worked two Super Bowls two and a half really and um to be like well I'll never go to a Super Bowl again unless the Titans are playing it like oh, oh what a problem to have and like I understand some of those things as well. You know, like some of the goofy things that are problems for me or some of the things that drive me crazy or, you know, the certain personalities that you deal with and you're like, oh, that guy drives me crazy. It's like, you know that guy, (laughs) you know? I mean, so you never take it for granted. Things kind of shift in what gets you really excited and what you kind of just accept as your day-to-day reality. But it's... I can see why the question would be like, does it ever get old? It doesn't.
1: And have you adopted a strategy for, you've obviously been there for a long time. You talked about how nothing is guaranteed in any of the NFL. Um, Have you taken an approach where you're trying to get better every year or anything along those lines?
0: We've been really fortunate in that there are a lot of people around us, and I say us, like our digital team our broadcast team um I work directly with our the voice of the titans Mike Keith and um so we're really lucky that we're given the opportunity to try a bunch of different things like the podcast that we have right now it's in its second year um the OTP and I think I had been bugging him about it for about four years and I mean When we when I started talking to him about it, he was like, "I don't know what a podcast is." So we had to like get over that hurdle before we could get over some subsequent hurdles to start the podcast. Um, But that was something that creatively we just. I wanted to try. And once he realized, you know, what it was, we were able to kind of get other people on board. And so now we have this thing that's been going for two years and it's been so much fun. And it gives us a chance to meet a lot of different fans in a lot of different places. And so that's one example of new challenges. And um, I've only been doing sidelines for the radio um, for two years. This will be my third season. Um, so that's been a new challenge watching games in a completely different way and kind of changing my perspective of what's important, what's valuable information that I need to retain, Mm -hmm. what needs to get out of the way, Um, kind of the way that I look at a game and the way that I'm processing information as it's coming to me. Um, That's always been very interesting and interesting and a new challenge. Um, So there's a lot of different things that change from season to season. So I'm never really in a spot where I feel like I don't have something that's challenging to me or that I'm not creating or trying to learn a new skill or because there's nothing worse than watching yourself back, whether it's on a TV broadcast or when you're editing a podcast or on a radio show. So the fact, I'm assuming that at some point in my life, I will become comfortable with it and I will like it. And like, that's the goal. The the dream is to be doing things well enough that I can stand to watch it without cringing. So I guess that's the carrot that I'm chasing. Yeah, I Kevin am. and
2: I constantly talk about that we don't like listening to our voices either. <laughs> it's
0: excruciating, way. right? Like it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. And so I assume that at some point when I get okay with it, I will either just be numb or I will be just the greatest broadcaster of all time so I guess that's the ultimate goal that you're kind of chasing but I, I mean there's we have so many different things and so many different creative outlets that we get to use and kind of play with that you're always flexing some muscle in your brain that you never thought you'd be working and that's that's a lot of fun too to always have some sort of bizarre new challenge
1: I don't know about you but I've discovered that there are a few words that I in an odd way. Did you have that experience?
0: Oh my God. (laughs) The words that come out of my mouth most of the time are just concerning. Like listening to your own self speak. And I have a problem where I think the words in my brain are faster than my mouth. So I get tongue tied a lot. So that's a problem. But I also use a lot of words and phrases that my mother uses and my parents. Like I speak like my parents more than I ever knew. And it's just horrifying. My dad will listen to like a radio show or something. And I'll hear, I'll get a text from him during the show. That's like, oh my gosh, you're your mom. And like, I, I can't take it back. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, so that's been crazy. And I I tend to, when I'm not broadcasting, have a bit of a sailor's mouth. And so translating that, sometimes the mm. words that I say, so that I won't say the words I'm not supposed to say, you're like, "What is that word? What did you just say?" So wow. yeah, I, I feel you on the pronunciation thing. It's it's not well, great.
1: Jeepers, I get you on that.
0: <laughs> See, that's, my mom, you talk like my mom.
1: I was I was doing a uh, the corniest uh, version of the cuss word I could find.
0: Maybe jeepers,
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> So the, uh, I was also intrigued by something you said about when you switched to sideline or added the sideline reporting, there was a time when you were trying to discover which parts were more important. And this is just the scientific side that's fascinating me. How did you go about getting better at that, if you don't mind talking a little bit about that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, when I, for my first, whatever, six, seven years in the NFL, I was watching from the press box. So I had quite literally a bird's eye view of what was going on on the field. And so what I was doing a lot of was I'd watch the play. I'd watch the play again because there's a TV in the press box that is on like a two second delay. So you get two shots at it. You get it on the field, then you get the delayed version on the TV. And then I would kind of be scrolling through Twitter, watching commentary and seeing what the other media members were saying. Well, once I moved down to the field, I realized very quickly I can't see the play. Everybody on the field is much bigger than I am. (laughs) Physically, I cannot see it because there's giant humans standing in front of me. So I can see maybe when guys are on the line, I can see three, maybe four of the guys closest to me, but I can't see the other side of that field. I have no idea. So I'm watching the play. But in a very kind of casual way, what I what I'm watching even more is player interactions on the sidelines. Which coach is talking to what players? What is this guy saying to that guy? Is there an injury? Like, that's what I'm watching the field for. I'm watching knees, I'm watching ankles, I'm watching <laughs> guys' heads. Like, that's what I need to look for. And it took me a while to realize that. No one from the booth during the play is going to be like, Amy, what'd you see out there? Like one, they don't care about my evaluation during the game afterwards on a different show, maybe during the game. No. So what uh, that's not something that's important for me to be watching. They are going to ask me who it was that went down on that play, what his injury is, is this offensive lineman fighting with this, running back because of a play that just completely imploded like those are the things that i need to be watching so it my kind of focus went from x's and o's i need to know what's happening to more relational i need to know these guys and their personalities i need to understand that that guy when he's rolling around on the field may not be as hurt as if that guy is rolling around on the field like that means two different things Mm. And so learning that and translating that then to what I'm watching in practice is also very different. So knowing what formations are maybe different um, to understand what that means to a certain guy and, I mean, Derrick Henry's in the Wildcat. Does that mean that the quarterback's doing a bad job? No, it means that they want to do this thing for that guy over there. And it's understanding how some of the pieces of the puzzle fit together at more of a relational level than the hardcore football analysis that I kind of thought they were going to be asking me for. Um, So it's changed the way that I see the game in a lot of different ways through the week, Monday through Friday at practice, but then also Sundays on the sidelines.
2: That's really interesting. Um, You mentioned that uh, when you came into that job, you were thinking it was kind of going to be something different or a way to get back into PR. And then you've mentioned some of the kind of new challenges or uh, opportunities that you've had there. What have been some of the highlights and lowlights throughout your career thus far? Oh my gosh.
0: Well, there's been way more highlights than lowlights. Definitely. Um, I mean, the highlights for sure are the team going on an incredible playoff run last year. I mean, so many of my career highlights are football, like they're tied to football moments almost, because the team's success on the field drives what we're able to do in every possible way. So the team having two huge upset wins on the road during the playoffs in 2019, 2020 um, to go to the AFC championship game as total underdog. It was amazing. I mean, the amount of content that we were able to produce the way that players were interacting with each other with us. I mean, it was just, you could feel it in the air that something special was happening. And so that was such a cool moment. Um, different wins have I mean, Ben, just monumental. The Titans beating the Jags to go to the playoffs in 2000. I guess that would have been 2017, 18, seventeen season. Uh, that was a big deal. Beating the Chiefs in 2019, that was a big deal. Um, in 2012, the Green, uh, the Indianapolis Colts beat the Green Bay Packers when I was there, and that was the first game. The team played without Chuck Fagano, their head coach, because he had just been diagnosed with leukemia. Um, huge moments like that, like my first game ever was a Ravens Steelers game in Baltimore, and the Ravens just demolished the Steelers, and it was great. Like what a cool way to start off your um, your NFL career. So it was th- it's things like that that have been such highs. Low points. Um, in 2000, 2014, I guess, the team had just built a new um, a new studio in our stadium. And we were really excited about using it. And um, there were all these different things that we wanted to do. And one of the things they asked me to do was be an in-game host. And um, to no specifics fault, but just the way that things kind of gain momentum and you kind of lose some steps along the way we were really excited about being able to have a human on these jumbotron screens throughout the game. And it was a great thing. We didn't really have all the pieces parts that we needed in place to make that super successful and um, like teleprompters and communication with people in the booth and that kind of thing. Um, So I spent that football season kind of alone on an Island because i I had to be on camera. I didn't know what I was really supposed to say because I couldn't see the game and I couldn't see what I needed necessarily. So it was just, what it boiled down to was technology. We didn't have the pieces that we needed but we were so excited to try it and make it work that we didn't kind of slow down and do it the right way. And for me, I felt, I felt like I was kind of abandoned by people that I had trusted, you know, like, I'm new to this. I We all have acknowledged that. Everyone's been very helpful to me. But now we're doing this big thing. And I, I'm kind of alone on an island. What I learned in that is that, A, you've got to find ways to prepare yourself. You can't always rely on people, just in general in life, not in that situation. Because I think everyone was doing the best they could. We just didn't have what we needed. Um, And, but I learned that I need to do my own preparation. I can't rely on people to prepare for me. If there's something I need, I need to find a way to ask for it and explain why this is important beyond just saying, well, what do you mean you don't have this stuff? Like, this is something, of course, I thought everyone would know. Like, no, you need to advocate for yourself a little bit. And if you don't feel comfortable in a situation, tell somebody. Because I think that in retrospect, anybody would have pulled that idea like it wasn't working and if I had said something and been more vocal and kind of advocated for myself and my career and the way I was feeling about it I think that that situation could have been a lot different and so for every low point that there is I mean being demoted to pencil sharpener was a low Um, but I've tried to find the positives because in every low point there's a lesson to be learned and there's Something that you can realize, like either, oh, I'm not doing that again, or, oh, I should have done these things. You know, there's a way for me to do that. I mean, even when it comes down to interacting with new coworkers, whether it be new staff kind of in the front office, which is where I spend a lot of my time, or it's new coaches. I mean, we NFL teams are notorious for turning staff over. The Tennessee Titans for a while did it quite often. And so I've worked with a lot of different coaches, I've worked with a lot of different general managers, I've worked with a million different players, and everybody has different personalities. And they have different ways that they like things done, or that you should approach them or different ways that they like their information packaged. And as I've been through this job, I've learned how to maneuver some of those things and where to push and where to kind of wait and let them approach you you know i mean and it's all a learning curve but you can't go into any situation thinking well this is how we've done it in the past so this is how we're going to do it going forward and i think that that's that's been the most valuable thing that I've pulled out of those low points
1: at any point when you were demoted did you it never crossed your mind that you might leave the field or the discipline
0: well I mean I've like any human I've thought man like I could be doing anything else right now you know especially it hits you the most around the holidays we don't I haven't spent Christmas Thanksgiving any of those with my family in 10 years and so those are the times where you're like okay what am I doing like it's Christmas Eve, I'm eating Chinese food on my couch by myself, the rest of my family's together, like, why am I doing this? Um, But then there's a game two days later, you know, and then you realize, wow, this is such a cool thing that I'm able to do. And I mean, again, with it being such an impermanent job, it's only for a season, maybe, you know, and every, every time could be my last time. So instead of thinking about all of the things I'm sacrificing, thinking about all of the things that I'm gaining from this experience makes it totally worth it. But every um, every year around this time, before you start training camp is kind of when you feel like you you're getting on a train and you can't get off of it, you know? And everyone, I think, kind of has a moment where they're like, am I going to do this again? Like once we start this in July, we're not getting off until hopefully February. It's so like, am I going to hop into this one more time? Like one more, we're going to do one more. And the answer is always yes. Like, of course we are, but you realize the just complete tornado that you're about to willingly step into. And it's great. But I think every single person in the NFL has a moment where they're like, again, really? Like, I think everybody does it, but it, I mean, it's totally worth it. And frankly, I don't think I know how to do anything else. Like, let's break this down to what it actually is. I don't think I have any other skills. Like, this is pretty much where I live. This is my space. So I don't, I mean, I don't know how to work a nine to five job. Like, how do you know if you win? Like, <laughs> who keeps score at this sure. insurance company? Like, how do we do this? So I don't, I don't see myself ever being not in the sports realm in some form or fashion it's just it's too much fun
2: I I have to ask the question about being a woman in sport Mm -hmm. because I mean it's obviously been it's been a topic of conversation for a long time I think media as well but also as of late I think the conversation has grown especially in the NFL with some hiring of female coaches and all that so what's your experience been like?
0: You know, I've had a very, um, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how other people's experiences have been. um, But it seems like kind of an unremarkable experience. Um, I've been in a lot of situations where I kind of look around, I'm like, "Hmm, I'm the only chicken here. But like, it's never been something that has been overwhelmingly obvious to me. I've never felt super singled out. And I guess that. I've also never really drawn attention to it. Like, I don't go out of my way to be, I guess, overly feminine. I don't, I don't know, I just kind of behave how I behave. Um, I don't draw attention to the fact that I'm the only girl. I don't make an issue of it, because for me it's not really. There's a bunch of humans in this room and we're gonna, as long as everybody is professional and does what they need to do and we're able to accomplish our job, I don't really feel the need to draw attention to it. Um, and I know that's not everybody's experience, but it's just never been something that I have felt be an overall issue. Um, but it, now that we have more women in that space, our the Titans owner is a woman. Um, we have a lot more women on the staff than we did five years ago. Um, that has made... It just more fun. Like I go into the bathroom and there's another person in there. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Um, But it's, so it's been fun to have other women around. And I mean, they're in a lot of different positions for the Tennessee Titans. And when you go to other stadiums, you see more women places. And it's definitely been a great thing. Some of my closest friends are people who are in my job with other teams. And um, so we kind of have a little group text sorority thing (laughs) and um, (laughs) we keep in constant contact and so it's been a great way in that regard to meet a bunch of other women who are having these experiences that are almost hard to explain there's a lot of conversations that are like you don't know unless you know you know Um, but it's also never been something that I felt super uncomfortable being in a space and being the only woman I've never felt that as something that in those spaces that hasn't defined me or I haven't felt like it was something that impacted the ways that a job would be done. Um, as long as everybody stays professional and we're all just kind of doing what we need to do to hang out, you know? I mean, as long as we can all coexist, I've never felt it. Um, and I've never been in a situation where that coexisting was a problem. Um but that's just my experience. I know that a lot of people have had different experiences, some that have been really great and some that have been less great. Um, but I've, I've never really felt it too much and no one's really made a huge deal of it. I just I just kind of show up. And within 15 minutes, I'm in so many spaces, I'm furniture. Like no one even sees me hanging in the back anymore. Like.
1: So what would you view as keys to your success?
0: Keys to my success. Um, I think a willingness to learn is a big one and being in in football, they say being coachable. And I think that that applies in a lot of different places. If you are able to accept criticism and you're able to expect, accept, um, people changing the way that you do things or presenting new ideas or, um, giving you direction. I think that that is something that I've been very receptive to because I'm very aware that everybody else knows better than I do. (laughs) Um, I think having a sense of humility about everything you do and not letting your ego get too big is a big deal. Um, not feeling entitled or as though you are owed things. Um, I think that if for no other reason, it keeps your stress down. Um, but I think that that's, That's something that's very easy to fall into in a job where you feel like you're pushing really hard all the time. Um, It's easy to feel like at some point there should be something coming to you and um, not kind of letting that get in the way of the job that you're doing and the way that you um, continue to grind. I think that that is really important in any job, especially in a job in sports. And um, I think the last one is I don't take a lot of things super seriously. Um, I try to have a level of comedy and kind of lightheartedness to everything that we're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, we are all very stressed about a game that we're not even playing. Like, I, I don't play this game. If I went out there and played football, it would be a catastrophe. And I have no athletic abilities at all. And they give me money to talk about other people. Like it's great. Um, But having a sense of levity about what it is that we're actually doing, why we're all here, the, the amazing, ridiculous, sometimes just catastrophic situations we all find ourselves in from time to time because of this job. I mean, there's wild and crazy things happening all the time. The stories that you could tell, about just some of the ridiculous snafus that we've all found ourselves in for a variety of reasons. I, I mean, it's when you really sit and look at look at it, you have to laugh. Like this job is nuts. Um, and I think maintaining that perspective and being able to have that um, underlying sense of just humor about the whole thing, I think that it it helps kind of keep you on track and helps keep your your head in the right place. Since you mentioned that
2: a lot of people do move around in sports a lot, or um, whether by choice or or not, mm-hmm. but what's mm-hmm. kept what has kept you wanting to work with the Titans the,
0: during this time? You know, the Titans are such a unique team because they're one of the smallest in the NFL from a staff perspective. Um, and when I started there, it was really, really, really small. And so you knew every person in every department, and you knew that every single person was doing 20 different jobs, half of which had nothing to do with their actual job description. And that's just how it was. We were a small team, we're a scrappy team, and we're going to get this thing done one way or the other. The Titans since then have grown a lot, but kind of that scrappiness remains the same. Like we're going to do whatever it takes to get things done, whether it's, producing a new tv series whether it's launching a new marketing campaign whether it's increasing our season ticket sales and trying to bring different things to the fans um we're kind of (laughs) scrappy and we're this small market team that has a lot of punch and it's it's a really endearing team to work for even if you're not into the football thing um which some people aren't i mean there are even people on the Titans who are fans of a lot of different sports. And I think that that's what makes us so great is you've got a lot of different perspectives in there. Um, And so it's just really fun to be a part of a family like that, where everyone's just going to do whatever needs to happen. You know, we're going to make this work one way or the other. We're all in this together. So let's just keep pushing in the same direction. Um, I've really fallen in love with the football team. The staff, the team, the guys that we have in the locker room, they're just incredible to work with. And it's so much fun um, for a dull moment. And it just, the city of Nashville in and of itself is a cool place to live no matter what. It's just a fun city, but there's such great sports fans here and they have embraced the Titans in ways that I never really thought I would see. And they're so fired up for this team. And I'm not leaving this until we bring home a Super Bowl. Like, I I mean, they would have to drag me out kicking and screaming at this point. I'm not going anywhere because I want to see this team have the type of success that everyone around here knows they can have. And that's kind of, I think that's what we're all pushing for right now. I mean, I know it is.
1: (laughs) So what advice would you give an aspiring professional in either PR or broadcasting?
0: Um, My number one piece of advice is to make sure that when you're looking for opportunities, A, you have to be willing to accept whatever opportunity comes your way. Even if it is remotely sort of in the same neighborhood, potentially of what you think you want to do, seize the opportunity. Like take advantage of it because you never know when one thing is going to lead to something else. And the other thing is tell every single human being that you interact with, what it is you want to do with your life, what your goals are. A lot of times it comes up organically. Sometimes it really doesn't. And you just have to say, oh, by the way, this is what I want to do. You would be floored by the amount of people who have a cousin or a neighbor or know this person who knows that person. Everybody's got a friend of a friend that's in sports. They just do. And they want to tell you about it because then you think they're cool. (laughs) it's amazing the amount of people who offered up these connections to me because it makes them feel good that they got me a job. Like, that's fine. They can take credit for it. I don't care. I'm the one with the job now. Like, that's (laughs) fine. And so I think it's so valuable to bring that up just over and over and over again, because you just never know what people will offer up to you and how people will be able to help you whether it's a nugget of a place you can look or a piece of advice, like accept all of that, look for that. I uh, I never would have gotten the opportunities that I've had if I wasn't just discussing at nauseum what it is that I'm trying to do um, because people respond to that. And uh, maybe the motivations are selfish. That doesn't bother me at all. I'm the one that ends up with the job.
1: So <laughs> I think it's great advice. And I think people forget that Um, it's similar to like talking about yourself and what you can do if people if you don't advertise it nobody will know so I think that's good advice
0: exactly I tell my mom all the time people can't give me what I want if I don't tell them what I want and she laughs at me because it makes me sound like such a high maintenance brat (laughs) but it's true like people can't help me unless they know what it is that I need and that goes for everybody I can't help you if you don't tell me what what it is you want there are a lot of people in this world who are willing to be helpful you just have to give them the ability give them the tools to help you out Um, and there are a lot of a lot of things that'll pop up that you won't even understand how how you got that piece of information or that connection but it works out
2: So one of the things that we ask everybody to do is send us a picture. I'm gonna pull yours up. Tell us a little bit about this picture.
0: (laughs) So when you guys asked me to send a photo, this was the first one that came to my mind. And I was like, oh, aim! you can't send that. Like, that's (laughs) horrible. But I figured this was like a go with your gut situation. So I did. Um, This was my very first year at the Tennessee Titans. I was at a photo shoot. For our cheerleaders, they were doing their kind of yearly headshots that they use for different promotional things. And someone said, "Amy, you need to do headshots. We need to get pictures of you." Um, you know, so same, so we can use them for different promotional things. And this is what turned up. This, <laughs> this is the photo that I ended up walking away with <laughs> because this felt like it was the illustration of everything I was feeling, like here I am I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing I guess I need to be doing this but like what is this you know it it just felt like such a bizarre world and I feel like this I guess it's the facial expression really that seals the deal but like this kind of confused, like happy to be here, but I want to do it right. But I don't think this is it.
2: But
0: <laughs> I'm going to keep, I'm going to try. I expected anyway. to
2: do PR behind the scenes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing is kind of my mantra. <laughs> and I mean, I, I've learned so much and I feel a lot more confident than the girl in this picture right now. But still have the same level of like, Lord, please let this be right. <laughs> like the same level of just hoping and praying that we're doing it correctly. And I mean, the girl in this picture really had no clue and was just trying to learn everything she possibly could. And if I told this girl right now that I would be walking into year 10 in the National Football League, she would be dead on the floor. Like, <laughs> There's no way. So I, I'm proud of how far I've come. But I saw every time I see that face, I'm like, "Yep, that's pretty much how it was for a while."
2: (laughs) Well, we appreciate you sharing that, sharing that uh, picture with us for sure.
0: Happy to (laughs) anytime.
1: What's the biggest takeaway from your story?
0: Hmm. Expect the unexpected. Um and just kind of go with it. I think I'm so thankful for the things that I took advantage of that I never expected. I never expected to move to Baltimore, Maryland out of college. I've been in Missouri my whole life. Um, I didn't expect to move to all of these different teams and be broadcasting on the sidelines for an NFL team. Get out of here. Like None of these things have been expected. Everything we do is just, Completely not what my agenda has been from the year prior, the day prior. Um, everything is just a little bit unexpected, and I think that if you can be comfortable with that, if you can be okay with just kind of rolling with the punches a lot of times and and going with things that are amazing opportunities that you never expected even a little bit, I think your life can be really, really fun and really fulfilling.
2: That mindset and approach that you have and that you've taken to get to where you are, do you think that that's something that you were born with or something that you have developed over time?
0: I think a little bit of both. Um, I think I've always been very curious. Um, I won't take anything at face. So as a kid, I was the one whom my mom would be like, you know, you shouldn't touch that so of course I'm going to touch it (laughs) and it's not that I think she's wrong but I want to know what's gonna happen like I I need to I need to see this through I'm too curious so I've always had a degree of curiosity um I was pretty shy in my early years as a kid a pair I grew out of that I guess I don't know um once I got to high school, I kind of developed a personality and kind of felt confident in speaking and kind of being more in the spotlight. And I I guess that 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 sense of adventure and not really caring about interacting with people and being pretty chatty and being curious and wanting to have the story at the end I mean good or bad you're gonna get a story out of any situation so you may as well go for it and I think after a couple times of in my college years and in my 20s kind of realizing that like I'm not gonna die if this goes really wrong like I can survive an embarrassing situation or I can survive a heartbreak or I can survive all of these different things. Now it's just like, why the hell not? Like let's go. <laughs> you know, it it takes away a lot of the scary when you know that you'll survive mm-hmm. a lot of situations. Um so I think that I think that I've kind of taken that curiosity that I had when I was a kid and have just grown it into a let's just figure this out. <laughs> right.
1: Well Amy it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for joining us
0: gosh you guys have been an absolute blast let's do this all the time
1: the path to still is hosted by kevin harris and lauren tashman created and produced by kevin harris the content is copyrighted by the path distilled all right reserved